Hey, Mike. Hey, Josh. You know, I've really been enjoying doing these podcasts, getting to know some different people and talking to some friends and colleagues on kind of a different stage than I'm used to. Yeah, it's been fun. And, you know, to think it all started with you and me eating some uh, lunch at uh, Granville. That's right. In Studio City. And now we've been, like, surprising each other with food. Yes. And I see you got me something. Smells good, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I got you a pizza from Hail Mary Pizza in Atwater Village from an area of the city that you probably rarely get to because it's a solid hour and a half drive. What's Atwater Village? Yeah, exactly. It's on the east side. Um, This place is relatively new. It's great. They kind of have a really fantastic dough. They burn their crust a little bit. They make a great, great pizza. I brought us the, uh, uh, what is this one called again? The Lord Jesus. That's right. It's mozzarella, gorgonzola, parmesan, ricotta, feta. It's cheese, baby. Nice. And this is actually going to go quite well with our guest that we have today, Mr. Ignacio Sericcio, who makes some pretty controversial comments about how Argentinians make better pizzas than Italians. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty, but you know what? He says it with a lot of conviction. He does. And so that's, that's what matters. And he also talks deeply about um, his passion about mental health, his work with Wildlife Waystation and Peace for Animals. And how to walk in a casting room and get a job like a boss. He's just an all-around renaissance man. I look forward to it. What do you look forward to more? The pizza. (laughs) No, 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 Ignacio. Okay. No, 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 the pizza. Uh, A little bit of both. Enjoy, everybody. Welcome to Second Meal, a podcast where we discuss life, the industry, food, and what it means to live and work in Los Angeles. We're your hosts, Michael Grant Terry and Josh Levy. Sit back and enjoy a second meal. Animals are my number one. Well, you have that too, right? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, like, you and, like, me with, with dogs and other yeah. animals. And yeah. you have, you, what rescues do you work with? You work with... Like, Wildlife Waste Station and uh, um, my friend Katie Cleary's organization called Peace for Animals. What are the, what are the two of them? So Wildlife Waste Station is a sanctuary in the Angel, Angel, Angel's Crest. Uh-huh. Uh, in, up in uh, with Silmar? Up the two? Silmar. Oh, no, up by Silmar, okay. Yeah, which is a 210. Um, and it's the biggest and oldest sanctuary in the U.S. And they, I mean, the animals that we have there, it's just, you know, lions, tigers. Oh, it's like all over bears, the place. Wolves. Wow. Oh, yeah. oh, everything. Everything yeah. you can think of. Um, hyenas, yeah. chimps. Um, uh, and, see, and see, that's the thing. I have a, I have a, that's my favorite animal too. Which, which is the chimp? Oh, the chimp! Yeah, like the monkeys. I yeah, I know I you're mean, wearing it right now. Shirt. Yep. Yeah, I have a thing with with monkeys too. I have like a you know how often I think have I'm you de- met I them? think I'm devolving, which is why they, that's good. So why there's a there's a uh, <laughs> there's a, a capuchin named Rodney. Yeah, um, who's super friendly, and every time I come, and I usually have my beard. Yeah, he goes nuts, and he I think he recognizes that I'm. You know that devolving we, that yes because I'm growing hair in different places. <laughs> I'm I walking. thought that just comes with old age. Yeah, I don't know, dude. I'm. I feel like. Uh, I mean, I'm. I'm honored to be a. Champ. Well, also as an actor, like if you're finding your body more within roles, I, I don't think that that's a incorrect <laughs> thing to be devolving a little bit. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think it's like a. I think it's not a bad thing to get to that base of being an animal. A hundred percent, and we kind are, of living in there, like in yeah. between roles. Yeah, and our and ninety eight point six percent similar. Yeah, and I mean to do, chimps. Not to get down the, the acting road, but like, do you, do you do animal work when you when you work on parts? Or a hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, every every, every role. part I take on as an animal. Yeah, who was uh, I think of an animal? Who was Don and who was Don? Uh, Don West is. It's funny because he's like, I always thought a, 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 it's like a dog. Yeah, he's kind of a like a dog. He's very friendly, but he's got cat-like moments. Yeah, which is the the sneaky part. Yeah, totally. And the, you know what I mean? Uh, but he's there's a dog that my neighbor has who's he's a, a kind of like a I don't know what the what the breed. It's always the same breed. It's kind of like the, what are the big poodle? Like a poodle? Like a oh. like a like oh, mixed guess. like golden retriever and poodle mixed? Kinda like they're smart. They're playful. The ones that, that swim. They, Yes. The, the Obamas had them. Uh, the, uh, I forget what they're called. We'll look that up in a minute. Anyway. Yeah. But it's just, it's a specific breed that's super playful. Yeah. And, and whatever. And this dog, every time he comes to my house, he comes over and I go, what do you want? And he, I know what he wants. And he rolls over and 
and looks up at me and and he's he manipulates me in a very nice way, which is what Don, which is what Don West does. does. Yeah, Don West is who you play. So in he's kind of like a dog. Yeah, he's like a you dog. also have a great walk in it too that I like that I love. <laughs> I was like watching it in the beginning earlier on, and it is totally actually when you're mentioning the Portuguese water dog, it is kind of like a tr- a, 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 tr- a, tr- a trot, a, a trot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like a trot that you're yeah, doing, 100%. and it's confident. Which I think Don has to be 100% confident in order to get what he wants. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not finished with the first season yet, but I'm loving what you're doing in it so oh, far, thanks, man. Oh, dude. It's so fun. Yeah. No, and then, and then uh, when I did, uh, I remember when I did the wedding ringer, when I did the, uh, the wedding planner, yeah. I thought of a peacock. Yeah. Like this just beautiful, delicate, and just magnific- magnificent being. How fun was that? Oh, my gosh. Tell me about working on that. I'm curious. Well, I, I, was love, given, I love you I was that given well. control. I was given uh, complete trust and... Uh, by the director, by Jeremy Gerlich. And I said, listen, man, I go, I know this role, I think, better than you. And you wrote it. What and was your audition I, for that? How, do you oh, remember? Yes, I do. Yeah. I, I, walk, I was the first one to audition. And I walked in, um, not in full makeup and stuff, but I walked in as that role. Right, from because the start. my role the in the start. movie, yeah, my role yeah. in the movie. Uh, he tri- switches. He switches. Yeah. And that was the second scene. But I didn't want to come in as myself. Yeah. Because I think the hardest thing... Uh, was to convince them that I could play this guy believably. Can you explain a little bit what it is? Just so the, yeah, the know, wedding yeah. ringer. Yeah, the role is it's this guy who uh, starts his own wedding planning uh, business, and then when father of the bride comes out, his <laughs> business goes to crap because people go, oh, unless my wedding planner is this flamboyantly gay man, then I don't I don't hire them. <laughs> it's like a very so he goes, okay, shit, so I got to play the part. I got to, I got to, you know, flamboyant it, but he's not, but he's actually. He's like the opposite of that. Well, well, that's the funny twist is that he's actually, you know, like a cholo. Right, right. But he is gay. Right. So there's like a, there's so But he's not the right that, gay. But he's not the, the right. flamboyant. Like, quotes, right. Yeah, exactly. No, so that's it's actually so smart. Funny. So you came in the room as the flamboyant one because you don't want them, you don't want anybody to have an inkling of knowledge at the beginning of that movie. Well, I came in exactly. So yeah. I came into the audition as the flamboyant one. And then he goes, we do the second scene. And then when he when I got hired, he goes, listen. He said, when you came in, I was like, oh, this guy's perfect. And he said, but I was so worried. And I was like, do- how is he going to play straight? And oh, like, that's I amazing. Was, I was 100% sure that you were this flamboyantly gay man. And I go, good. Good. That's so smart because I guarantee a lot of people came in the room and look, hey, how's it going, man? What's up? You yeah. know, trying to play like Well, it themselves. was important for me to convince him immediately. Exactly. Rather than if you had done that first, it would have been. Way I wanted too hard. him. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's what I. Do. That's what I used. I do on a lot of auditions. I like to, uh, depending on the audition, if there's no tape, if they're not recording it, and uh-huh. it's just with the casting director, I go in as the as the role. Yeah, because you don't want them to think of. I was like, they won't be able to remember. Listen you. to me. You want to know my name later. You want to know my height. Let's do that later. Let's. I'm gonna from the <clears> beginning. Let's keep that. Do you say that to them? Because that's sometimes it frustrates me when I agree when you go in and they're like, "So, like, tell me about yourself," and you're like, "But oh, that's no, no, going to no. taint what you're going to then see." I set the, I said, I do whatever I want. I set the tone. Yeah. I How often care. is it that things aren't recorded now? Um, it depends. I think it, there's when it's a when it's a pre-casting. There's I think not comedies a, have a lot more pre-reads now than like they won't record. For comedies, because they pre-read for comedies a lot. If you don't have, like, you have a lot of comedy on your resume. Mm. I, I don't have very much. So, like, it's harder for me to get in straight to producers on a, on a, a sitcom or something like that. Because yeah. I haven't done it. So you got to pre-read. So yeah, usually right. you have to pre-read, and usually Is that's not Is it different taped. reading for a feature than a TV show? Uh, I think it depends on the, the cast and director. <clears throat> yeah. Honestly. Every cast and director is different. There are some that I that are like John Pepsidera who, who, who have you auditioned for him? No, you won't see me. <laughs> Pretty sure. <laughs> Do you have a story or what? No, I have no story. I've got plenty <laughs> of stories of other people though. He, uh, he, I've gone to see him. I mean like over 30 times <clears throat> and I never got the roles. And when I, he cast me for lost in space. Oh, he did. He did that. And when I went in for that, just to tape, you know, to tape the first time I was like, Hey John, and I was like, why am I even here, man? I never get the roles that I audition when I audition for you. And he goes, it's not me, man. So I said, it's fine, dude. Let's have fun. Lost in space from my child. Well, not from my childhood. The reruns are. Right. Um, You're 58. He is. He's great. <laughs> <laughs> he's great. He's a great reader. He just, 
he acts it out with you. He, he gets up. Mark Teschner is another another. He's yeah, a, Mark is really he's one of the really greatest great. casting yeah. directors. And then you have others that I go. How are you working? How are you even? How did you get this job? Yeah. How are you put in charge of such a big project? Yeah, we've talked about some people. Carla and I talked about Carla Gallo was on mm-hmm. uh, a little while ago, and we talked about some people that I, I, there are people that I never want to see ever again. And, oh, you yeah. know, and I, it, just because it's not worth my own sanity to be treated the way that I'm treated in that room, mm-hmm. you know, and I know that you you've had this same experience. Oh, and I'm very direct with yeah. casting directors. I've uh, I was I man, I have some stories. I one which is probably the one. This is when I lost my 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 cool. Um, I don't know if I can cuss or anything. You can I curse. I don't, on there. I don't want yeah. to. I'm trying to. Yeah, you're trying to be. You know, trying to keep it clean. Yeah, you're self-aware. I yeah, exactly. <laughs> I um, I had just that morning. I had broken up with my with with, my, with an ex, and so I was already. Yeah. But the role is this this guy who's kind of like a, a a drug a pin right a kingpin for a drug cartel. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna use that. I'm gonna use the anger that I have and put it into this guy and the intensity. So I go in and and I do the 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 role the way I'm speaking right now with you know how I sound. Right. And the woman says, "Great, let's do it one more time. Could you just do it a little more Mexican?" So she that's her note. I wasn't I wasn't offended. I was more offended about the note mm-hmm. than the Mexican, like the, the racist part of it. Right. I was right. Like, you were, you were I was more like, offended that the note was a stupid note. The note that is, right. is the dumbest. Like when right. somebody goes, you're, you play the bad guy. Well, right. That means nothing. nothing. Right. You play the good guy. Right. That's, that is pretty. That is, right. no. Like find better adjectives. Right. And better. Anyway. So she said that. Then a race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to use the race as the she adjective. Goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she go, so I go, well, so, I'm sorry, more Mexican? She goes, yeah, you know, like more Mexican. <laughs> And I'm boiling up, and I'm trying to keep, and I know exactly what she's. Unfortunately, I know exactly what she's saying. And I said, "What do you mean, more Mexican?" She goes, "You know, like you just crossed the border." Wow. Oh, oh no, God. this is verbatim. And I go, "Uh huh, you got it." I said like that. I said, "You got it." She goes, "Okay, go." And I go, "Oh my God, I couldn't believe!" Like I exaggerate. Yeah, I make you. This stereotypical, character. but. In reality, I wanted to break that camera in half. Uh-huh. So I finished the scene and I go, thank you. She goes, wait. I go, no, no, no. That's all you wanted, right? And I walked off and called my manager and said, I never want to go into that office again. And you got the part. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I got on Bones. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Rick Milliken. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, there's there's, there's some, yeah, you got to, I don't know. I, I always tell, tell you know, I, I, Actors, I go. Um, I think yes, you got to learn how to. Uh, it's like when you're in class in school and you're like, I don't like the teacher. Yeah, well, but you know what? You need to adapt, right? There's a boss that you might not like as much, or you might not share the same work ethic or the same point of view. But there's also your integrity, and I realized the difference when you know as the career progressed. I was like, okay, yeah, I can adapt to certain things, um, but would I ever? Be on the phone when somebody's there to read. For oh yeah, me. and that happens because all the they time. think that you yeah. don't that your life is not busy. Well, or they important. see a thousand people, so like they're so they don't care. So we're just commodities. I was doing you a, I was doing a test. I was doing a <clears throat> test for a, for a network show. Um, a test, you know, when yeah. you're there and there's like what thirty people. Right. You sign your contract before and the you main, go in. Yeah, whole... yeah, sure. And the main person like was right there in front of me. I'm doing the scene, and I see he's on the phone, so I just stop. But I don't say anything. I just stop. And they're all there looking at me. And they're like, are you okay? I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just waiting for him to finish this important text. And he <laughs> looks up and I go, are you done? And he just stood there and I go, I'm going to keep going. I didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. But I don't. But you know what? It's like, this is the way I think about it. I go, do I want to be working? Do I want to be working for seven years with these kind of people? So I, I'm actually saving myself. A headache. Well, if I, I don't I speak up now, if you don't speak up now, it's like in a relationship, right? If you're in a relationship and somebody, your partner calls you, tells you a bad word. So they go, oh, uh, you bitch, whatever. And it bothers you and you don't put a, and you don't go, listen, did that? And that's on you fly, a little That doesn't bit. fly with me. This is like therapy well, 101, know. right? Is like, if you have a problem, like see something, say something. Yeah. Don't just bottle it up because then that's how stuff like explodes. Yeah. 
And I think that does happen a lot on uh, more TV sets, maybe than movies, because TV sets, you're with those people. And, you know, we've talked about complaints that we've had before. But if you're on a show for seven years, there's things that just build and build and build and build that maybe don't happen on a feature film where you're there for three, four, six months. Yeah. Also, the other problem in in our... um in our industry, I think is that the, it, it, there's this patriarchal is that the, that is the word right patriarchal uh, a society that's created within a set or whatever where, um, for example, the executive producers and the directors are the parents and the actors are the children. Oh. So then they start developing that kind of relationship, right? So then you have actors who have these demands or they have the and the and the producer okay, all right, we'll 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 adjust to you. Okay, and then that creates this disgusting relationship where, for example, PAs or, or crew members have to be super sensitive about how they approach the talent because they could get fired and their voice is not as important. And it's just, and it's this vicious circle, you know what I mean? Instead of going, no, 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 we're all here to create something. Your job is just different than mine, but, well, the, but we're the same. And then all actors are put under that umbrella of being someone who's precious and like you can't talk to them. Like For I'd sure. much rather have sure. like someone in wardrobe come talk to me directly than have it go through 18 other people because they think that they're not allowed yeah, but to you talk have, to talent But directly. you have self-awareness. <clears throat> yes, absolutely. So that's another thing too is that we were talking with uh, uh, one of my castmates from Lost in Space. It's like, if you're self-aware, I'm somebody who's aware of that. So right. when I see that behavior, it's almost like I go, "Hey, hey, hey yeah, like we're cool." Like, yeah, you don't need me. to. Yeah, don't worry yeah, about. You don't it. Need yeah. to, I get you. Like, do your job. That's fine. Right. I'll do mine. But that extra little thing, don't worry about. Right. It. You can come over and adjust the mic and like not. You, you can, don't worry. You can about touch it. my lapel. And I, like, told the, like, I told. I told. Just don't look me in the eye. I told this guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't breathe near yeah. me. Yeah. I told this guy, um, this wonderful guy. He was a PA first season of Lost in Space, and now he became. Uh, an assistant director, a third AD. Oh, and that's was, awesome! Yeah, no, I was really happy yeah. with him. He's very, he's very, very good. And I was talking to the producer, and he comes over and he goes, "Hey Ignacio, when when you're ready, we want to get the, uh, we're gonna get, we're gonna get you Mike because the scene we're gonna about to do." And I go, "No, no, AJ, let me explain something to you. This is my job, so don't come and say when I'm ready. You come and you say, Ignacio, we need to get you Mike. Yep." Because I go, I know it's a sim- it's a little thing. I go, but if you come, if you go to be a big producer, these little things, unfortunately, it, they accumulate. Yeah. And for a lot of actors that are not self aware, you're just feeding into that ego, and then the, then they go, okay, well, I'll be ready in ten minutes. Right. When I'm ready means I'm going to go to craft services. Which in the end of it, something. yeah, yeah. Which if you think about it, it's a job. Right. This is my job. Right. And if I get offended because he says, hey. You need to get mic'd, right? Then that's a whole different <laughs> yeah. conversation to have, and I'm an immature little prick. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So I told him, I said, from now on, you want me to do something, you tell me to do it. So then he started, he started doing it like in a funny way. He's like, "Go get Mike." <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, "Yes, sir." But it's true, though, right? No, it is. It's it's there's there's all sorts of uh, sliding <clears throat> scales to that because. You you also have to have the right people. Now you're teaching this, you know, you're teaching this young PA lessons that are really valuable and mm. how to deal with people. But you also go and you'll shoot a show like we were shooting the Finder in Florida, and Florida at the time did not have the best production infrastructure. There was not that many crew members, so the third AD who was working at base camp was was a lovely girl, but her only experience was working as um, you know as a greeter at Disneyland, mm. and she got the third AD job. Which now you're talking about a show. Where does Lost in Space shoot? Where? Yeah, Vancouver. So Vancouver, which has a lot of experience right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. So making that jump from PA to third AD, it's a big deal, and you like learn stuff. You've learned from you, from other people, from experiences. This third AD is running base camp, sweet girl, but she doesn't know what to do, and she ended up pissing off like four different actors and like really bad that people were were screaming at the producers about this person and the errors they made and it became a whole giant thing with the one you know one weak link in the chain right it delayed all these things but whose fault was that well the producers i mean or whoever put her in charge is it whose whose fault is it who knows well, I mean, because I'm not, if I'm not going to put Mike to be a Spanish translator in a court. ¿Por qué? 
See, but that's that's what happens. Is it in my when, fault? No, no, it's not. It it it's not. An, it's not. <laughs> what do you mean? It's not. Her I love fault. that analogy. That's a great premise for a movie. <laughs> but you see, like you build up production resources in Vancouver to yeah. where you get PAs who know what they're doing. So then that when they make the jump up, they've experienced. Actors who are easy to work with, actors who are difficult to work with, different oh, directors, sure, 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 right? Sure. So there's she was she was thrown into the lines then. Yeah. So yeah. and it's tough because there there weren't other people to do that. She's job. back to being a greeter in Disneyland. But I don't know. <laughs> I checked up in on Va- her. Vancouver. I Disneyland. just checked Disney, her Instagram. Disney World. Disney World. <laughs> yeah, she's in Disney. She's in M. So our, wait, Ignacio, I'm so happy that you're here because I I you know <laughs> I, I've known you for a while. But like Argentina is one of my favorite places in the entire world. Oh, good. It's where you were born. And I, you know, part of doing this podcast, we get to ask people like, how did you, how did you make it out here? And I don't think I've ever talked to you about mm. that. So how did you make it from being born in Argentina? Yeah. Well, I, we left Argentina. My parents have been dying to leave. Um, my father actually grew up in Los Angeles in Van Nuys in the 60s when Van Nuys was really Beautiful. pretty it's getting 60s. pretty now i think it's getting <clears throat> reprettified it is. right yeah watch all the hate mail to me we're like man i'm from van nice i don't care dude. i live in van nice. pretty yeah exactly I mean, uh, valley glen exactly <laughs> i try to avoid saying van <laughs> but it nice. used to be yeah right right because yeah, because, because it's, it's gross it was also made fun of somebody made a video about it yeah one of the guys who's on saturday night live now oh okay yeah anyway so hopefully north of victory's bad still <laughs> it is we should do uh tourism ads for, yeah. for la um so he grew up here, and then when he was 18, his dad, my grandfather, who came here for the American dream, said, hey, we got to go back to Argentina. And imagine my dad, a teenager, grew up here, oh. first world, spoke English, and that's it. And then you got to send him back to third world, no friends, no language. And what year, what year was this? This was in, so he was born in 56, and... So when he was 18, it was 72. Wow. What did your grandpa do? My grandfather, no, not 72, 74. Why didn't anybody correct me? I wasn't listening. Um, okay. <laughs> I, was, I, I, I haven't listened math? to you. I haven't, no. I've been here. No. <laughs> My grandfather, no, he did, uh, what did he do here? I think he did like uh, construction and I mean, he tried to But he moved here to make hustle. To make a, have a better life for yeah, his yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah, for, for yeah. sure. And they were here for 12 years. So. Right. So then when they go back to Argentina, on top of that, I think a year later, my grandfather dies. So my dad and oh. his brother are like, oh, crap. So they, he was a fish out of water. And it's like the middle of time. like a political revolution. Yep, that too. Yeah. And um, so ever since he went back, he was, he's was he been looking for a way to, to leave again. And then he met my mom and, and he said, you know, yeah, I love you. But just so you know, this is my plan for the future. Whenever there's an opportunity to leave, we're going to leave. Um, so... You know, you talk to my dad, and, and then my dad, we lived in a, uh, I had a great childhood, but, you know, you're a kid, you have no responsibilities, but my dad, if you told him you never, you can never go back, he'd be like, no, that's fine. He doesn't identify. With Argentina? Yeah. No. Have He's you always, been back? Yeah, I, I would go back a lot for my grandmother, because, uh, you know, light of my life, and then she passed <laughs> away, um in July of last year. Um, so now I have very little reason to go back. Mm-hmm. She was my main reason to go back. I don't like uh, big cities, so I don't like Buenos Aires. So when I go back, I want to go to the south where... where I went. You, where my yeah, went. that was my experience too. I actually, Buenos Aires, I was like, it was fine, but I don't, I don't like big cities. Yeah, either. no, but I'm talking about big, like Rome. I don't like Rome. No, I no, like I Paris. actually don't like Rome either. I, don't I do like, like Paris, but... Um, New York, I could be there. Listen, my goddaughter is there now and I could be in New York for like four days and then I got to leave. Yeah. I had a great time in Buenos Aires. I lived there sure. in 2001 and 2002 and went to like a semester <laughs> of college there Right. and lived in Recoleta. Yeah, well, yeah, you were in the nicest area. Oh, I was, yeah. it was amazing. Great food, great, yeah, of course. And it was, like, I was studying international affairs at the time, and they were going through, um, it was when the peso and dollar, they mm. were pegged together, and they unpegged the peso, and so there was, like, turmoil all over the place oh, yeah. going on, and it was a really interesting time to be there. Oh, yeah, you were there during the Corralito, it's called. Yeah. When there yeah. was, like, uh, you couldn't take- looting and, and, the, and the banks 
kept all your money. Yeah, you couldn't take more than I think three hundred dollars a week out. And from you your love bank that experience. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm waiting to hear. The- so <laughs> it was the right meat. A- the meat was great. <laughs> So it was right after 9-11 and yeah. I'd signed up for this program to go, you know, and to go, to go study there. People were like, don't go. You don't <laughs> want to travel anywhere after 9-11. And the people running the program were like, you know what? It's fine down here. People are, uh, it's like the middle of the summer. Everything's fine. And then the political, you know, crisis hit down there and they were like, oh, it's still okay. It's fine. And there was a really like, it was demonstrations going on everywhere all over the place. But at the same time, people were in the park drinking mate, barbecuing, going to football games, doing normal stuff. And like, we made a bunch of, you know, uh, friends who were the same age as us and they were living their life. Right. I lived with a family and lived in like their spare bedroom. They had a daughter and they were like, this happens every 10 years. Like, oh yeah, we're, you know it's funny. My dad, my dad always, because um, I was always this, and I still, I'm still am right. I always have hope, and I always hope that my my town specifically will get better and cleaner and not as dangerous. What's your What's your town? Lanús, it's called. And where is it? It's in the south of Buenos Aires. Yeah. Um, and my dad, who's a little bit more of a realist, and he's also, you know, he works in finance. And everything. He goes, <clears> oh, it'll never change. He goes, this happens all the time. From the 60s, he goes, it goes up a little bit, and there's like an economic boom, and then boom, and then up, and then down. And the thing is society. That's the main, mm-hmm. the social issues are what, what are really detrimental to our country. You know what I mean? Hey, everybody. We just want to take a moment to thank you all for listening to our podcast. Please keep downloading. Please keep giving us ratings. We'd love to hear your comments about the podcast. And I also want to give a special shout out to my brothers, actually, Jesse Terry and Aaron Terry. Jesse did the music for the podcast, and my brother Aaron did the design for our graphic. You can find their work at www.urbanyeti.com and jesseterry.com, J-E-S-S-E-T-E-R-R-Y.com. Enjoy the rest of the interview. Thanks, everybody. Where did you start, like, your love of, like, out- outdoors and... and- well, even even though I was in this town that had no water nearby, unless it rained and it just became the like whole a swamp. Oh yeah, it flooded. Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. I was always outside. I was always outside, and I was always playing, um, pretending to be an explorer. I, you know, grew up watching Indiana Jones, so I was yeah, like, I was always doing that and, and digging. Did you do some watching? digging? Oh my god! So did I. I started a tunnel from yeah. my backyard to my friend's backyard. I literally would dig um, as an archaeologist in my backyard. Me too. For like hours and hours. Me too. Yeah, exactly. Actually, and, and ran- wish that you could. You can't do that here. No, I know. And I will. And I in Rambo too. Like yeah. The, I, oh yeah. I watched, I watched the Rambo movies. So I was always like, you know, exploring and trying to find bad people. Um. So I was always outdoors, even though I didn't have the the beautiful mountains or right. lakes or that we have now, right? Um, Were you able to travel outside mm-hmm. at all uh, to see other places in Argentina? Yeah. Or, or? Um, we went to a couple of provinces. My dad and I would go uh, fishing a lot and camping, but you know, like four hours away, right? Not to, super to, far stuff. No, yeah. no, 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 no. I mean, we we weren't poor by no means, but. But it that's was still a flight. That's a you know. A, oh no no, we drove. Yeah no no, but I'm saying to go oh, down to like oh Ushuaia sure sure sure, sure. flight. Oh yeah, hundred percent. You're not driving down there. No no yeah. no. And they both had jobs, and my sister was younger. Like it was yeah. Um, so yeah, so then when the opportunity, I remember I was doing a swim meet, and I come out of the pool, and I go to my mom. Where's my dad? She, and she says he's on a phone call. I go okay. He comes down and he says we're moving to Mexico. Not let's sit down and talk about it. <laughs> We're moving How to old were you? I was 11. And I I was bummed because of my grandma, leaving my grandma. You knew she she wasn't going to come? That was the main thing. Yeah, no, no. That yeah. was the main thing. Um, yeah, so we went to Mexico because it was just a better opportunity, better everything. And then spent Mexico seven City? in Mexico City. Seven and a half years there. Um, it was fun. It was, uh, we tried to get out every weekend to nature and, and, and uh, it was fun growing up in that city. How's the food there? Um, it's delicious. Mexican food, I think it's like top four 
their scene Very has even, become insane too now. I mean, like there's some Michelin star restaurants in Mexico no, no, City. No, it's and, ridiculous. And even like and the street food, street is, food. Yeah, I was gonna is say some of the best. I so want to go on like an eating tour of Mexico. City. Oh yeah. my gosh, it's so you, the best. You did high school there. I did high school. Yeah. Did you start acting then or at all? Nope. Or no? no, 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 no. I went to I went to British high school, um, British French high school, um, and no, to me with with acting, I always thought up until I moved. To the U.S. when I was 19, I always thought, I never knew what an actor was. Right. I, I just knew that whatever was happening inside the TV, I kind of wanted to be a part of that. But I thought that these were special people that were um, given, that were already gifted or that were f- discovered and that were part of this elite community right. that I would never be a part of. We are. So... <laughs> And your point is, yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> so I, um, so when I graduate high school, my parents and even my friends were like, "This guy is, you know," because I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like sitting down in 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 a geography class. I was like, "Why don't we just go there?" Or sitting in a biology class. Well, you know the the. The the frogs do that. I was like, they're out there. Can we just go outside to look at animals and plants? Why the hell are we in here? So I could never focus. History, for example, looking at a board or reading and memorizing dates. I'm like, this is the dumbest thing ever. You want to relive it? I want to go or to like the, yeah. act it out. You My know? worst yeah. thing was like the phylums in science, like the different classifications. Oh, I don't even. I, I don't even know that. what that is. Thank that God. was like my nightmare science was was not my when am i gonna ever have to know how to do any of this yeah yeah so so um when i'm finishing high school my best friend who's my goddaughter's father he is the opposite of me the complete opposite he is um he will wear you know moccasins to go to the gym um he lives on the 44th floor of a giant uh building in new york city Whereas me, I could live in a tent and catch my own food, the way he dresses, like he's just a very clean, pristine little, you know, but we share the same morals and the same values. That's what makes us good friends. But we're the complete opposite. And he's, he was going to study industrial engineering in this university. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to do what he does because then my parents will be happy and, right. and, 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 and. And it sounds like a like an important thing. And I always I grew up thinking, oh, I got to put food on the table. I got to put food on the table, right? You grew up with that mentality because that's what you've seen your parents do: mm-hmm. not live their like their passion, but rather provide. So I thought I had to do the same thing. So I applied to this university, and him and I go to the the first day we go to register. We <laughs> drive there together. I was like, oh, this will be great. We'll drive to university together. And first day we're at the office. And as we're doing the paperwork, I turn to him and I go, uh, I'll wait for you in the car. This is not for me. <laughs> he goes, what? I go, it's not for me. I'll wait for you in the car. Register him. And I told my dad, I go, listen, man, it's not for me. I'll figure it out. And then just then that summer, we got off. he got offered a job in New York. So we moved to New York and, and he's like, so what are you going to do? And I had no idea the way this country worked. The just way from, the college, from Mexico City to yeah. New York. Yeah, and I didn't know how the college system worked. I didn't know that you had to visit schools and do these applications months in advance. Like all these kids that started looking at colleges when they're two years old for some reason. Yeah, I was like, which is mapping ridiculous. out their that's life. That's a whole different. Is that for real? That's a whole different conversation. Yeah, I guess that's by the way. That's yeah. absolutely for real. From preschool, I have in a LA. big. What? I have a big, big problem with that. Wait, that's wait, a, that is for real. From preschool, people are looking at what colleges they're going to go to. Absolutely. For preschools Whoa. here are talking about I didn't like realize our, that. Yeah. Having kids too. I mean, I didn't know that at all. It's so dumb. It That's is. insane. Um, so, so I, so my dad goes, yeah, you got to, you know, you have an opportunity to go to a really good school here in the U. And I took the IBs, the international baccalaureate, which gave you a lot of points. It's almost like the APs, but on meth. Right. Um, on, so it's on top of SATs. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I go, I don't know how to do this. So I started filling out applications. I didn't visit the, the, the schools because I had like, time, right? I had like two months to apply. Right. And then what I, and my dad was the one, my parents were the ones that was like, what are you going to study? I go, I have no idea. So they said, what do you like? Like you have this opportunity that we, we didn't have, which is do what you love. Do it. And I go, I don't know. He goes, well, what do you like? I go, I love people. I love entertaining. I love making people laugh. And, 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 I was, and he goes, you know, you've been a clown your whole life. 
and haven't done anything with it. He's like, why don't you study theater? And I go, dad, you don't study theater. Like actors don't study these. These are people who I'm not kidding. Like he goes, no, no, it inherently. Yeah. I was like, there's a, there are schools. These are school. And I go, are you serious? So I apply to schools and I'm watching big daddy with Adam Sandler. And I love that movie. And Adam Sandler's wearing a Syracuse sweatshirt. And I go, oh, I wonder what that is. And I look it up and I, and I see that it's a, it's a university with a theater program. Not knowing it's one of the best programs yeah. in the country. I go, I'm going to apply just because of that. So I apply. I go to audition. And my wonderful teacher, Jerry Clark, she's there. And I audition for her in English with a monologue from... Uh, Big Daddy. I think I Googled monologue. <laughs> Mo- I should have. Actually, that would've... it was uh, monologues for men. So I just, oh, yeah, exactly. So I just picked the monologue. From that book, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I auditioned. She goes, um, she spoke like this. She goes, you speak Spanish, y'all? And I go, yes, I do. She goes, translate that right now. No problem. I translated confident. And then I got in with a scholarship. Incredible. And that was supposed to be my safety school. <laughs> Big Daddy. Yeah. Led to changing... Safety. By the Ignacio's way, whoever life. whoever tunes in right now and hears Big Daddy t- t- changing Ignacio's <laughs> they're like, life, they're, they're like, like okay, oh, I'm gonna switch to the other. Let chair. me rewind. <laughs> so little that's actually where we're leading with. Little do they know we're talking about like economic destruction in Argentina. Right. So like a big thing in acting is always like accents, right? Yeah. And so when you did you have an Argentine accent when you first got to Mexico and and then I, don't, I mean uh, in English? No, in was speaking Spanish. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I still do. My, Ar- my my natural accent is Argentinian. And can you speak like Mexican yep, Spanish? Absolutely. I just did a, a the, the other show that I did um, in between Lost yes. in Space. Which I, I can't, fi- it's not on. Not right? on Netflix in the US yet. Oh, that's why, because I, I thought it was on Netflix. Because no, 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 I'm so no, no, no. excited to what's see the, it. What's it's everywhere else but here. Yeah. El Recluso, the inmate. Okay. Are you, are you happy with it? Oh, yeah, super happy. It's, it's like, uh, it's been doing. From the trailer that I saw, it's like something I've never seen you do. It's which crazy. I'm so excited to see. No, it's been doing amazingly, amazingly well. Um, so there I had a, uh, I had to speak with, you know, the, the, a, a dialect from Mexico. So yeah. I can. And how did you feel with all the other inmates that were, cause some of those guys were actual inmates, right? 80% of them were ex-convicts and current gang members who were deported from the U S because what these guys were explaining to me was that in the U S it's all about territory with other gangs. So they're usually more active and it's more dangerous. Mm-hmm. When they moved to Mexico City, the cartel is there. So gang members from the U.S. need to keep it cool because the cartel runs it. So they can't be doing their own. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. all of a sudden their their involvement with their gangs is is not as heavy as when they were in the U.S. They're not. And a lot of them were like, you know, I, once I had kids, I wanted to change. And you talk to a lot of these guys, and honestly, for the most part, it's not like they turn 30 and they're like, oh, I'm so tired of being a realtor. Right. No, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. It works that you're you're born into that. And you're – like if I think about my, – my father specifically has, has had some of the most um, – the most influence in my life. Now, had he done something else, it would have influenced me. So – it is the a lot of about the way you grow up and the education or the lack of and the community that you're in, the people that surround you. So that's something that I really learned and got into with with these guys that how the whole penitentiary system is super broken and, and corrupt and the way these guys are treated and the way society treats them like, oh, you're a criminal, you're the worst in the world. It's like, slow down. Like, it's not that black and white and there's so much overpopulation there's they they really mistreat these guys and i got a chance i was with them every day so i i wanted to i wanted to know them and i carefully asked them questions and i said hey you don't have to go into detail but um so all of a sudden i had this whole new um all this knowledge that i you know that i didn't know that that that, that it, it's not that simple how and where was that shot Mexico City. 
And so how was, I'm curious as an actor, like learning, because like that's learning stuff on the fly as you're shooting it about yeah. the, the community that you're playing. So like how do you, you know what I mean? Like how do you incorporate that what in? It helped, it helped the character because my character is this ex-Marine who infiltrates. Right. And what so happens. So he's learning too. Well, he's exactly. Ah, he thinks it's okay. Like a, he thinks he's been in, in overseas. He's been in Afghanistan. So he's thinking this is another mission. I've, I've seen the worst. I've right. been in combat. I've seen my, I've seen my comrades die. Right. And then he comes into this place, and it's like, oh, it's a whole new set of rules. Yeah, the inmates run the prison. There's corruption. It's it's it was unbelievable. And our 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 production team and our set decorator, uh, Brigitte Brock, who won the Oscar for Moulin Rouge. Yeah, who did Babel, who did Twenty One <laughs> Grams. She oh. created this. It was an actor's um, like playground. The this set is the most incredible, most detailed. Um, said I've ever been in my life. Was it an actual prison or no? No, we had three locations. One was an abandoned uh, flour mill. So they were about to either destroy it or just abandon. So she just took the, there's a big oh open God. space and she made these huts. And what's interesting, I was doing a walk, I, I was doing a walkthrough with her and she was every little detail. She's like, this toothbrush, it, it looks too, it looks too new. Good. And I would tell, I go, Brigitte, that was a terrible impersonation of her. <laughs> um, I go, Brigitte, I go, well, but they, we'll ne we're never going to use this. It's like, it's hidden. It's back here. Why are you putting, she goes, I don't care. She goes, Every, everything needs to be real. She goes, I don't know if someone's, if someone's going to pick gonna, it up. Or someone's going to walk in there. Right, right, right. And they need to still During be shooting, in it. Yeah. She put the smell of urine. You could smell it. You could smell the. It oh my was, god! This is a dream, man. No, 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 no. I know. <laughs> I'm serious. It really is. No, like, no, no. It really like, is. Uh, people with regular jobs are like, I don't oh, want to walk into my yeah, office yeah. and sit on a urine-filled no, seat. It makes your job so much it's, easier. It does, a hundred percent. And every time I walked in there, it was just easy to. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in this, in this hellhole, in this prison. You must have. Did you just like walk around the set, traveling it every day before you would shoot? It was, I mean... Oh, do you even uh, need to? I mean, it's no, just like, no, no, yeah, no. It's it was like, very quickly, I was... It became a part of me. It was, yeah. it was tough. I was smoking fake cigarettes, but you're still inhaling. Right. So Those herbal was, ones? That yeah. Was, yeah, but that was five yeah. months of me smoking, making it... I, I was so dizzy the first two weeks of doing right. that stuff. Um, and everyone else is smoking. They're smoking real cigarettes. Right. You know, it's Mexico. It's not... It's not the they US. They can do that, yeah. Yeah, we're smoke they're smoking real cigarettes. The for example, the smoke machine like the had broken, so they were actually burning wood to oh, create the nice. smoke. So I was like, yeah. Oh, this is awesome. Yeah. So I would go back that that every night I would go back and call SAG. And <laughs> <laughs> they're like, Yeah, no, we um, don't we do this not is ridiculous. We do not accept this collect call. <laughs> So what? No, like, it was what, definitely a different. It was, it's a different experience, you know. Um, what's craft service like in Mexico? Unbelievable! Oh yeah! Oh, I the bet. food was ridiculous. The food was so good. What it is, was so good. What do they? What do they have for so you? So here's the thing, that, and a, a lot of things that need to change in uh, at least what I from what I saw in Mexico is that the caterers were there till the end. So these people were sleeping four hours. Oh. Um, so that was a, that was a big problem. Um, when there were a lot of little things, luckily the producer said to me, she's like, listen, we're here in Mexico. We're trying to, we're trying to, in Latin America, we're trying to like really step it up. You know, there's, there's things that we do here in North America in the U S that are great. The way we, we, we take precautions, the way we have meetings when there's a gun, you always check the, so little things like that, um, at least from what I've experienced, I have not made it down there. Um, so she's like, please, any little thing, you just talk to us. And, we'll, and it was great. They were open to all that. So when we, were when we had guns, all of a sudden, we started to like make sure everybody looks at it, every, you know, little things like that. Yeah, for those like, so when we're on set and there's a, an actual real gun using blanks, the AD will call and make everyone come and check the gun to, to show that it's actual blanks and not. Yeah, exactly. There's no actual bullets in exactly. it. Exactly. Um, um, but there's, you know, I, I know that there's still a lot of uh, things that I, um, that need to change uh, in, in I, I can only speak for, 
for Mexico because I haven't shot anywhere else in Latin America, but the way that the drivers are just working and non-stop. driving nonstop yeah. and they're driving tired and I'm guessing they don't have the same, it, it would going to be the like uh, grace period right after they're done working. They don't allot that to them. Exactly. Like no. where actors get 12 hours yeah, between no, no, no. crew gets 10, I think in, in the U S uh, I don't know. Unless they take a forced call. Oh, got it, got it. The, yeah, I'm the sorry. Turnaround? The turnaround, thank you. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know. They don't obviously have those that. Things, those guys no, are, no, no, yeah. no, no, no. There's a, that has to change. There's a little bit of a um, hierarchical issue right. there as well. Um, but, you know, but this production, we you know, it was Telemundo International, and, and so they really stepped it up, and... And it was a it was a whole different level. They make sure that everybody was happy and everybody was respected. And um, yeah, it was great. How did that come to you? Did you audition for that here or no? Actually, I was I was I had just finished Lost in Space, and a friend of mine. So this is a it's a re it's a reboot or a remake. Sorry, it's a remake of an Argentinian show. Oh, okay. Coincidentally, called El Marginal, which did really well in Argentina. And that summer, my friends were going, hey, have you seen this new show on Netflix from Argentina? I go, no. <laughs> and they're like, you should see it. I go, okay, cool. Um, I don't watch a lot of stuff, or I don't sit down and watch a lot of series. And and I go, um, yeah, I'll check it out. Two months later, my manager calls me. He's like, hey, they're calling you. They want to offer you this lead role to a remake of a, an Argentinian show. And I go, that's very interesting. And I was in Argentina visiting my grandma, and the producers were there. So they said, you want to meet at a, meet them at the Continental and, and just have a chat. Yeah. So we talk about it, and my main thing was, listen, I've never done anything in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the main reasons, and I've, I've admitted this before, is that I never really liked what came out of Latin television that I had experienced. Uh-huh. I always thought it was cheesy and over the top, and I mean, that, that was just my, you know, my experience with it. And I told mm-hmm. the executive producer, I go, I don't want it to be that. I want it to be... You know, something that breaks down the, that wall, that breaks down that stereotype that I've had right. myself. Right. Like, and he's like, no, no, this is bigger than just doing any other show. This is about showing the rest of the world that we have the same tools and we have amazing resources. And we can make the same. And then we can make it yeah. kind of same kind of quality. I go, if that's what you want to do, I'm on board. Um, and I was going to Italy like the week after for a month. And I needed to get like bigger, uh, meaning more muscle and, right. and more ripped for the show. So go to Italy and eat pasta. So they were super worried. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, wait, but you're going it. I go, don't worry about it. And I did the unthinkable, which is I worked out every day and were, I was on a diet for a month in Italy. Oh, wow. My cousins in Sicily were just making fun of me, eating in front of me. Which is why I'm going next week to actually for three weeks. Oh, good! And eating everything I did in that trip. What are you looking forward to eating on your trip to Italy? Everything, everything that I, not only that I didn't, but the food and specifically in Sicily is the best food. Best food. The we had the pasta, the cannolis. Oh man! Oh my god! My mouth is watering. Yeah, right and my cousins all they three, four of them have restaurants. Um, wow! So everyone's in the food industry. Is there so any that's overlap with stuff that you grew up eating in Argentina? Well, there's a lot of similar stuff, yeah, for sure. I mean, Italians went to Argentina. Yeah. You know, so we have a lot of influence when it comes to food. There are things that I think that we did better in Argentina, like pizza. Mm-hmm. I think we perfected pizza. Because um, when I first, the first time I went to Naples, I was like, okay. Which is supposed to be the best Napolitano pizza. Napolitano pizza. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I went, I was sitting with with a group of, you know, you know, friends from Naples, and I was like, oh, this is shit. And, <laughs> and he's like, you cannot like what's wrong with you? You can't say that here. I go, I'm sorry. But one of the guys who had been to Argentina goes, he's actually right. He goes, We <laughs> we created the recipe, we created the the way to do it, and they perfected it. And what is so it? I can the say dough? that about that. Do you feel I think it's the, it's, dough? it's the water, water? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. water, the yeast. Um, I, you know, I never really, uh, with pizza, I never really was obsessed to learn how to make the perfect pizza. Yeah. So I couldn't tell you exactly the difference. I just know that I like eating it. And then Argentina still, and again, I've traveled. I can tell you that, you know, different countries have better things than Argentina. But in this case, 
I haven't eaten a pizza that's better than How is it cooked in Argentina? Is it cooked in the same type of pizza oven or is it, do you know? Usually, I mean, usually it will, it will, my favorite is on the grill. Yeah. I was going to say, is it with like where meats are cooked as well? My favorite is on the grill. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, it's like a brick oven. Yeah. A good place will always have brick oven. Yeah, exactly. You know, the little fire going Mm -hmm. inside of it. But yeah, I'm going to eat everything, bro. Nice. But but we we do a lot of sports and there's um, I'm going there because in our town there's a lot of rock climbing, and the waters there because the Mediterranean Sea. So I'll be I'll be and you also don't. It's funny a lot of people who go to Italy will tell you that they actually don't end up gaining weight in Italy because you're walking around so much. This is Europe in general. It's better ingredients. You walk around so much. Uh, <laughs> the the food is not processed. Right. And I'm gluten free. Yet when I eat pasta there i don't feel bloated right. i don't feel tired um i don't feel like I, I lack energy um well also let's say let's l- look at a tomato i mean you buy a tomato here i mean if you're lucky which not a lot of people have the privilege or the income to go buy organic farmer's market all the time or have the time you can buy a tomato here two weeks later looks the same that's that's not right and it doesn't taste like anything no i mean that's uh, actually i actually like hate Tomatoes. How can you? How can it not change right. color, right. shape, exactly. and not rot? It's like that shiny, That's beautiful, <laughs> yeah. genetically engineered. And it's just yeah, like, yeah. it's like weird, like tomato water. Taste. And it moved to another <laughs> part of the table, and you're like, "What the? F-? Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it, it exactly. It's all it's different, and, and the flour is different, the, the the vegetables are different, and especially in our town where everything is grown right there. And my cousins grow it, and two of my cousins um, are fishermen, so all the fish that we eat, we catch that day. Can we do second meal podcast from uh, Sicily with you? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah we'll fly. We're, we're coming, our budget right? will fly us out. <laughs> yeah, there, right? exactly. yeah, no problem. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. We'd like to thank our sponsors, yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> are you going to Justice or are you going other places as well? Well, we might. Um, I, my, one of my cousins, Alessandro, he's opening uh, uh, a little, uh, little bar in the town. So I'm going there to help him kind of finish it before the, the season starts. Oh, that's fun. So we might go. Take like four days and go to Morocco, just because just because he's been working so hard to get the bar. I wanna I wanna treat him on a, and he's a very he's a very 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 special person in my life. He was there, um, he was with me the day that my brother passed, mm-hmm. and he kind of he was my rock that day and the following days. So I always I have to go to Sicily for that reason too, for all of them for all my boys, but him. Specifically, specifically you know what i mean it's like yeah yeah i want to go back a little bit because i i do want to talk about it um i because i know the mental health is obviously really important to you yep. i want you to have time to, to speak about that and, and and i love what you post about it to let people know that they're not alone and yeah. i think it's really really important yeah i mean that's become my brother uh passed away three years ago friday um oh, this, he, this yeah wow okay he, you know he suffered deep depression and he had a chemical imbalance and he died of suicide, and it's become my one of my, if not the main goal and purpose in my life. And it became more clear to me that this platform that I've been uh, given and this gift that I've been given where I can reach millions of people through my work is, uh, is way bigger than me. Um, and if I can be the voice for the voiceless and let people know that let the people know who are suffering uh, with mental illness um, that really so many people are going through it that don't speak about it. So you really are not alone, really, because you will find that you talk about it in a room or you mention it and someone will gravitate towards you and be like, oh, shit, you know, I'm, I'm going through that same thing. It's just, oh, yeah. And the reason for that is the stigma behind it, right? It's a disease that it's not as visible. It's not somebody gets cancer. There's a little bit more of a uh, – there are visual cues, right? Hair, weight loss, uh, you know, they're tired. And somebody goes, they have cancer. Immediately the reaction is, oh, my oh, God. Sympathy. Somebody goes, yeah. they're, they're depressed. They're like, oh, well, take them on a hike. Or, or it's something. a choice. It's a choice. Yeah, it which is, is not so frustrating. Nobody chooses <clears throat> to be feeling this – heaviness to feel like there's this demon controlling us there's no one human in the world that would want to choose to be miserable and to feel disconnected from this world um so it's become my life mission to also educate people who 
are fortunate enough to not to, to not feel that kind of depression or any kind of mental illness to educate themselves because it's easy to and, and I understand the frustration but if we educate ourselves and we really start to realize that it is a chemical imbalance that it's not a choice educate yourselves on how you talk to people who are going through it simple words such as you should you have to you need to are no not good yeah. I don't have to do shit I don't need to do anything and I shouldn't do but if you say look in my experience or in my opinion then it's not as aggressive then you're you're laying out different options that you've or different um, uh, avenues that you've explored when you went through whatever kind of low moment you've gone so then the other person goes okay cool let me let me try these different things instead of oh you have to go to therapy no no I don't have to go to therapy That happened to me. People were like, you have to go to therapy. I don't have to do shit. I want to go surf, and that's going to be my therapy. But my cousin, uh, Jorge, who lost his brother the same way, who's been kind of my guide through all this, he would say to me, I would say, hey, so what did you do? He goes, well, you know, sometimes this helped, sometimes this helped me. But he never said you need to do this, you have to do that. He gave me, you know, his experience. So I took from that what worked, and maybe other stuff doesn't work. And... um. But what's been great about it is that people have been reaching out to me and wanting to talk to me because they I've one of the many gifts, I guess, that my brother left left behind is this new language that I have acquired, this new skill, which is to talk to people who are going through that and really listen. That's the main thing that we're, we're missing is listening um, in everything. We we're not listening. We're not reflecting and we're not um taking our time to digest information that's coming to us in everything. You look at it in social media, there's not enough listening. Meaning, if I tell you something, just take your time. You don't need to answer immediately, right? We're in a society that needs everything now, now, now. But we've seen it even with the with the Jesse, what's his last name? Jesse Smollett or whatever, the uh, kid from Empire. Jesse Smollett, yeah. Yeah. People jumped immediately, you know, even Ellen Page jumped immediately and to, to say, oh, this and this, not having all the evidence, not having all the facts, because we, we just, just want to blah. take your time, reflect, slow down. You know what I mean? Take your time. Do I need to give you an answer right now? No. Okay, then give me a week and see where I... Let me do my let me do my homework. And I think that also goes to, to I mean, as someone who's been in therapy for years, I've been in therapy for years, and like I've taken antidepressants in the past and have have suffered with it myself. Like, um, it's a process for you to be patient with yourself, yeah. as well, and like taking your time and not necessarily knowing that you're going to get an answer right away. Sure, it's very it's very hard <clears throat> when the society around you. It's stigmatized One, it's to it. Stigmatized you know? and trying to move everything fast and fast and fast. And it's like, oh, well, this is the cure. And it's like, just let's. I mean, let's it's weird. Start. Even like, I haven't even ever ever said that aloud to like you know. But I I'm finding that it's more and more important. I think to voice as well as you like with, with a platform to voice things that you've gone may have gone through, so that other people can know that there is a way to get through it. Even though I'm on my own journey as well and still getting through things myself, but there's so much stigma around antidepressants. There's so much stigma around therapy. There's so much stigma around being depressed that people, um, it, it's immediately judged that you're afraid to talk about it. A hundred percent. And like you said before, number one, it's not a choice. And number two, um, you know, but back in the day, I would say even not too long ago, but like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, when when somebody said, oh, my kid has autism, immediately people will go, oh, oh, right. poor, poor whatever family, their kid is autistic. Until people started realizing um, just because a person can't function in one thing doesn't mean they're not unbelievable at something else. Right. And that's the same with this. Okay. Just maybe, oh, you know, I can't be around too many people at the same time. Okay. Can you work with animals? I love it. Boom. So it's it's also changing the way you look at it. Yesterday, I took one of my dear friends who's <laughs> suffered from depression and anxiety and has had attempts before. I I told her, I said, you miss your dogs, don't you? Like And like crazy, because that's the connection that I have with my dog. I need my dog in my life. So my friend might not be able to be around a bunch of people because it, it gets overwhelming. I said, let's go be with animals. And all of a sudden never been with a horse before and it, she was a natural she was just 
react. She was with these horses like she's been with horses her whole life. Mm. So there you go. So it was a matter of not thinking of like, oh, you you don't have an arm anymore. You can't surf. No, fuck you, said right. that girl. I don't have an arm. I'm still getting back in the water. What does that mean? So it's changing that. It's not, you're not broken. Right. You're not broken. You're just, you're, might not, this might not be for you, but something else will be. And you will have a skill that other people who don't have depression don't, won't have. Absolutely. And that's what has to change, the way you look at it. You, it's, not a, it's not broken. We all have our things. There's also so many different levels of it. There's not, it's not one way or another. No. You know, it's not like you're depressed no, no. or you're not, or you're anxious or you're not. Like, there are so many different levels of it. It's, it changes in your body. Your oh, 100%. chemical balance changes and can be reset and cannot be, you know, like there's so many different levels to it. Yeah. So to label something as one or the other, and I, I like what you said about like, you, when people use words like you should do this, you should do that, it's the quickest way to make someone turn off. Yeah. Too. And be like, okay. Yeah. Why? Because, because I'm a, I have a problem, exactly. you know, or something like that. Exactly. Right. Well, it's, 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 it's also educating people. It's like, listen, it, that's it, actually. Listen and think about what they're telling you because your response might be just a, your projection as to what you would do in that situation. Right. But if you take, it, take your time and really register what they're telling you, really. Think about it. Take it. I guarantee you, and educate yourself that you'll come back differently. And that's with everything. With everything, there's. I've had this conversation a while because just in general, what's happening in in our society because everything's quick. And listen, social media is a great platform for a lot of things, but it also it people are just spewing stuff and people believe anything. Mm-hmm. And it's reactionary, right? People just react, and nobody's reflecting. There's no reflection happening. Yeah. Anyway, listen, uh, we could talk for hours. I, hours. Are you are you tight on time? I gotta go pick up our other bloated friend, Pej. Oh, okay. Because we're going to uh, taping of the last taping of uh, uh, the neighborhood. Oh, awesome. Um, we didn't even get to talk about the mule. I thought you were fantastic in it. Oh, thanks, man. And we we can do a whole nother podcast all about that. That's true. But um. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Oh, hey, yeah, thank you, Ignacio. Really nice talk. This is awesome. Yeah. We could go, go for and hours. watch. Yeah, I think we should do more. Uh, when is the show coming out on Netflix America? Lost. Oh, Recluso? Recluso. I don't know. When is Lost Supposedly in Space Season 2? Probably, you know? I don't know. Yeah. End of the well, year, We'll probably. keep you guys posted. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> All right, thanks, man. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome.